This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Don't be afraid to dance, Sean. I can tell. You're like, like, oh, I don't want to move. I'm tapping my feet. Oh, okay, that's good. Good morning. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Frank is still in Florida, and I still hate his guts, and but he'll be back next week, so I'll love him again. Sean Patil is joining me this week. Welcome. Good so morning. Nice to see Thank you. you. Thank you, Charlie. It's been uh, it's been a while. It has. When was the last time you were here? Like a it year. It was in maybe? November, and I would say it's oh. over two years. Oh yeah. wow, that which is a while. Yeah. But that's it. You know, when Frank goes away, I always like to call on some of my, my horticultural buddies and get you guys in and I get to have a little nap in the corner while you talk to some of our callers. Don't hesitate. You know how much I like to talk. I do, and I know how much you know. You can share a lot. So you know, you I mean I consider myself not a real specialist of any kind. I'm a, I'm very wide ranging in terms of my horticultural interests. You, on the other hand, though, you tend to be more focused on things like native plants. That's true. Natives, orchids, anything indigenous to Ontario and the Carolinian zone or mm. anything from the Bruce Peninsula. Those are the things that are close to me. Right. And you're going to want to come and visit me in my new place because there's quite a bit of Carolinian. It's just, it used to, I'm, I'm living in what was a lake. 10,000 years ago. Correct. And there's, well, basically Prince Edward County was just a few little islands sticking up out of a lake. So there is a bluff behind, like sort of in front of my house to the, to the west that, um, was, I guess, one of those islands that stuck up out of the water. And I guess there's sand if you get up there where I am. It's more rocks and, and pretty heavy soil. Well, be, be careful because anytime you invite me, you may, you know, have a, a whole convoy of other individuals, Excellent. Tom Atkinson and Tony Joven. So I would it'll be, be a party. Very excited. I know I love having people come because, again, you've got, uh, we all have eyes to see different things, right? True. And just the recognition of some things. Like, uh, you know, Sean James came and, and he's wandering through this kind of meadow that's moved in as the, you know, <clears throat> construction was happening. And he's like, what's that fragrance? I smell something. <laughs> It's like, he goes, is that you? I go, nope, it's not me. He's like, there's something here that smells really good. <laughs> so he's down, like, hunting for whatever it was. And then it was like, what is that plant? And let's collect seeds, and we don't want to lose that one. It's a special one. So. It, it, it's very true. When I when I first met the group, uh, in fact, it was 2012, uh, April 28th, we went out, and these individuals, the, the trees are just breaking their dormancy, and they're pointing out species 500 meters at your 1 o'clock, and I'm embarrassed because I'm like, how are they doing this? Yeah, so I'm, I'm just looking down, and I'm like, oh, look, white trout lily, and they're like, oh, good, fine. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what you guys, you guys are talking are about right now. <laughs> I, haven't, I didn't learn my trees at that point right. as well as these individuals. Yeah, Well, that's it, and we do learn as we go because I think that's the bottom line. Nobody knows everything. And and particularly when you look at any subsection of Mm -hmm. biology, Mm -hmm. you just, you you don't, you can't. No. You you learn 1% if you're lucky in your whole lifespan. And and even that, it's an enormous amount. So we're constantly learning. And that's a good thing. Keeps us. Keeps, keeps us fresh. Keeps us young. And not to mention. <laughs> hey, listen, we need to put the phone numbers out there so yes. some people might call us and ask us some questions. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> no calls yet, and of course, because they don't have the number. <laughs> if you are calling locally, the number is 416 416- 
360-0740. And if you're calling from anywhere else, it's 866-740-4740. Perfect. All right. So we will take our very first short break to uh, one of our, some of our commercial sponsors and be right back. And of course, we'll have lots of calls by that time. Great stuff. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Don't you love that feed into the show? I do. I didn't know where it was going, though. Yeah, no, with, I... If you've got bugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, welcome again. Sean Patil is here. Thank you. And he is in charge of the phone numbers. But before we read him out again, because remember, people, the mantra, call early, call often, because you can call more than once. One question per caller. And we do have Valerie on the line calling from Etobicoke. Good morning, Valerie. Morning, Charlie. I hope to get some information from you today. Excellent. I had, two years ago, I had two gorgeous diplodenia, mm-hmm. and the frost got one last, that early frost last mm-hmm. November. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to propagate the one that's left before it dies off. But I, do, I've tried, I had it in water with no success. How would you suggest? All right. So how, so right now you've got that one that you brought in in the fall, and you've had it in a full sunny window somewhere in your house, and it's now sprouting new growth? No, it's not sprouting new growth. All right. So forget taking any cuttings, because the it's only dry, cut... drying off. Okay. So the only cuttings you would take from that plant would be new, fresh, green growth that should be sprouting given the time of year. So let's talk where it is. Is it getting any sun? Yes, it is. It's in an east window. East window. And there's no shears on that window? No. Okay, good. So it's open to the morning sun. Right. And it's in its original pot. So how often are you watering it? All right, it's so dry. It seems to need water every day. Oh, nothing needs water every day. You know what? It's probably a fairly big pot. Is it it's like 8-inch, 10-inch kind of pot? Or? No, no, it's not. It's about a... Oh, 6-inch kind of pot. How tall is the plant? Not very tall, probably less than a foot. Okay. Huh. Well, a bunch of things you could do here. Sean, what, what do you think? Well, I'm just concerned a little bit about the eastern exposure. Mm. Uh, we've had a very gloomy, mm. yeah. overcast um, winter, so I, I think light might still be an issue in mm. this case. Is there the option of going to a southern exposure? Or west. Do you have any or other west. windows? Yes, I've got a west window. But that is that's very a, close to the window. Right. Yeah. So it needs to be in the better in an east window than far from a west window. Okay. Uh, but you know what? I was just going to say. Sorry, Sean. Did you want to say something? Well, I was just uh, um, so no fertilization at this point. I was going to suggest repotting. You're going to suggest repotting, which would be if it's, and if, and if it's dormant too. Two years in a little pot and what needs water every day would indicate that we've got pot an awful bound. lot of root in there and not a yes. lot of soil. Okay. Could you, Valerie, get a pot that's just one size larger than what you currently have? So let's yeah. assume you have a six-inch pot. Yeah. Go to whatever your local uh, closest garden center or, or home hardware type store is, yeah. ask, and you're looking for one size up, which would be an eight-inch pot. Yeah. And you're going to get a bag of fresh potting mix. Yeah. It'll probably be a soilless mix, which is fine. It'll be dry in the bag, so it's very easy to transport. It's not heavy. You don't need a huge bag. Uh, just enough to do a repotting job. And then, um, yeah, what you would do, I mean, it's not something you need to do today, but it's something I would really try and do in the next couple of weeks, is just lay some newspapers out on your kitchen table or your counter, turn the plant on its side, pull that pot off, and then look and see what's going on with that root ball. If it's all solid, massive roots, like smell the roots, 
feel the roots. Look at the roots. If they're black and soggy and rotting, cut it all away. If it's white and light-colored, that's good. Just untangle them a bit. Get that nice, moisten up that new potting soil into the new pot with drainage and then into the new, the plant into the pot. Firm it all in there. Water thoroughly once. Tray beneath it back into that sunny window and keep an eye. You shouldn't have to water more than about once a week and you should water thoroughly when you do so. So, I mean, four cups of water kind of thorough. Enough to drain through and gets, you know, I was going to say sucked back up into the pot. It doesn't really get sucked up into the pot, but bottom line is we drain. We water thoroughly enough that the water goes into the saucer below and then the saucer empties itself as the, the water is absorbed into the pot through the drainage holes. And that way, what will happen is a whole bunch of green growth is going to start to grow on your little diplodenia, and then you're going to be in a position to take some cuttings and make some babies what I want to do. I don't want to lose the... Exactly. Exactly. And I'm afraid that in the pot it's in now, it's just basically sitting in a sort of a semi-dormant or dormant state. It's not thriving. It's not responding to longer days, which most plants should be doing now because the days are noticeably longer and plants know it, right? So you should be seeing some green growth and this is one way to um, sort of make that happen. Well, Promote give new, it a try. new growth. Yeah, give us a call if any of that doesn't make sense. And uh, th- thanks so much for your call. Remember, everyone, that if there's too much information coming at you too fast on a show like this, we are a podcast. You can re-listen at your convenience. You don't need an iPod. You just need a computer or a smartphone. And you go to AM740 Podcasts, The Garden Show. All right. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, Sean, why don't you do the numbers Absolutely. one more time? We will then go for one more short break, and then we're going to talk to all the callers that are going to ring us up. Sounds excellent. Okay, so again, if you're calling locally, the number is 416-360-0740. And from anywhere else, 866-740-4740. Thank you, Sean. All right, we're not going anywhere. We'll be right back. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. It's okay. You can still laugh. We were just giggling. Thank you so much, Carlos. Carlos is sort of screening calls and quickly typing up on the screen what you might be calling about. And and it was just funny what was going up there. So we were both giggling. Listen, we have a call from the United States. I'd like to welcome Richard from Illinois calling us here at the Garden Show in Liberty Village. Hi, Richard. Hello. What's going on? Good talking to you. Thanks for Um, calling. Yeah, Roscoe here. I tried um, spraying my trees last year. Um, I knew that um, the apple trees and a few other trees already had some insects that had burrowed into them or deposited. And I used pyrethrin. Mm -hmm. And and remarkably, everything came out perfect. I thought, uh, you know, it's it's related to permethrin. Yeah, permethrin is the synthetic version of pyrethrin. Pyrethrin naturally is. So is it bad to use on fruit trees? Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. No, it's better, actually. I mean, where you are in Illinois, you can buy things like fruit tree spray, which is going to have quite an interesting array of to- far more toxic chemicals in that uh, mix. So, oh, wow. I'm, I'm surprised, though, that you had such good success with a, a pyrethrin-based spray because it is designed to kill on contact. 
kill oh my. any well, you insect. you know what? I think I caught it just at the yeah, you must beginning have. of the infestation. Yes, it must have been fairly early or mid-spring when you were doing the spraying. Sure, because I know I saw the little nick marks, and they're dead. They're perfect. I mean, my apples came out wonderful. Wow, that's a good story. Oh, yeah. I like that one. So what did we learn from that? Timing, Timing is, is everything. everything with... Insect control, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And he and he did absolutely. You paid attention. It. You're out there walking in your trees. You're visiting the orchard, visiting the plants, and you saw that something needed to be done, and you did the right thing. Right. Yeah. Good for I you. Mean, um, oh, and you know, your previous caller mentioned something about repotting a plant mm-hmm. I, with orchids. Um, I'm having some dieback on the root systems. And am I doing something wrong with that? So dieback because it turns black, or dieback because it wrinkles. The dieback turns black. Too much water. Too much water. Is the compost or the fur bark that it's in, is that starting to degrade into a compost almost like a soil? Oh, yeah. Okay, so now it's probably time for a, a repotting. Re- repotting. And just as Charlie mentioned, only one size up. So if you're in a four to a six inch, if you're in a six inch to an eight. Mm-hmm. With orchid bark, bark, if it's in bark yes. now. Correct. I assume the, the orchid's in bark now. So you go to your local garden center, you get yourself a bag of orchid bark. And is and it redo in, the whole thing. Yep. Yes. Is it well, in flower, Richard? Um, there's some. There's one that's flowering, but uh, I've got six, seven of them that are mm. really not, not doing well. Right. Now's the time to do it. If they're yep. not flowering, the mm. ones that aren't having a flower spike or aren't flowering or in bloom, do it, do it now. Yeah, it's and, perfect time. And, you know, I, I find orchids can be a bit intimidating when it comes to transplanting them. Just Until you've done it once or twice, you yeah. tend to put it off and put it off because it's oh, kind yeah, of scary. Oh, yeah, I left it alone. Yeah, so make sure you get your hold of orchid bark, as we said, if they're in bark now. And the pots you get will be preferably special orchid pots because they have extra drainage holes in them. And if you're interested, if you go on YouTube or just go to Google and do transplanting orchids, there are some very good videos which will help you slow your heart rate down when you're doing it, like give you some confidence, a little more confidence on how to do it. Um, it, You will have some sharp pruners in hand. You will be cutting away dead, soggy, smelly, any kind of roots uh, that are attached to the current orchids. Meanwhile, you will have soaked your new bark and you'll be ready to go and you'll carefully spread those roots into the pot, more bark uh, back into your eastern or northern or whatever window you've got them in. Okay, and and then you pack the bark over the, well, the crown? Same depth it's at now, basically. Or go ahead, what were you going to say? Yeah, just make sure that you're not too low with with the crown. So So it's up to the crown. The crown's at the surface of the of this bark, which is at the lip of the pot, basically. It's it's a phalaenopsis, a moth orchid, correct, Richard? Okay, well, my, I guess I'm saying is it just below the leaf where the leaves mm. come out? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. You want to go below the oldest set. So if they haven't if they haven't turned yellow and shed mm-hmm. off, you're going to be just below that. Yeah, if you have a stem that leaves used to be attached to right. down where that crown is still beneath there. Yes, yeah, so you might be a little bit higher than what better you think. Better high, better yeah. high. Let's put it that yeah. way. Yeah, air on too high rather than too low. Right. Right. So a little bit less bark than. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. when you're doing the repotting. But it's a good point. When they sit in the same pot, the bark will start to decompose, and it will turn to soil, and yeah. then, then it all gets stays wet for too long. And, and two years, or one, 18 months, yeah. 12 to 18 oh, it's, months. it's been five years. Oh, oh goodness, it's, it's, it's ready. Yeah, and any epiphytic or, uh, roots, any of the roots that are existing on the outside, on the surface. keep them yeah. on, on the surface. Yeah. Do not bury those. Right. 
Right. Okay. I know if people find that a bit frustrating, but those are very important routes. They they are doing gas exchange, believe it or not. My they, goodness. Okay. So they need to. Sometimes people don't find them very attractive, and they want to cut them off. It's like no, leave them alone. They they need to be there, and they should be I, green. I, I and, biology and chemistry, but I didn't know about the stomas or whatever root. Um, those air, air roots are picking up oxygen. Yeah, air, yeah. Um, air, well, there are aerial roots, exactly. Ferns, many of them have, and they absolutely are doing gas exchange. Yeah, yeah, because they, yeah, it's interesting. Good to know. It's really cool. I love it. It's partly what I teach at uh, Durham College, and the students are, their eyes pop out of their heads. It's like, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> so good. Well, thank you so much for calling. Thank you. Appreciate and it so much. Good luck with all of that. All right. So look, Sean, we've got all kinds of calls. Croton plants. You know yeah. what a croton is from yes. your Humber Joseph, days. Joseph's coat. Joseph's coat. Well, I thought Anthurium was more Joseph's coat. See, the problem with the common, common names, name. right? <laughs> That's why you need those scientific names, those botanical names. But, you know, it's, it's always funny because I, I have customers come in and say, I'm having such difficulty with my croton indoors where down in the Caribbean uh, they're, they're hedges. They're exactly. Right? They're they get ex- out a chainsaw to trim them absolutely, down. Absolutely. <laughs> so Susan from Stony Creek. Exactly. So Susan's on the line and, and I neglected to mention that Sean has had many years in retail, both Home Depot, Humber Nurseries, Lowe's. Lowe's. So yeah, so you know a lot about the kinds of questions just like me and my, my background in retail as well. So Susan, what's going on with your croton and hold on, you're a first time caller. Yes, I am. First-time caller, long-time listener. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning to both of you. Thank you. I, um, I, for the last couple of years, I've been uh, taking my crotons outside in the summer, mm-hmm. bring them in during the winter, and naturally they lose a few leaves. Mm-hmm. So at the lower part of the plants, it's a little bare. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if I dip out some of the new growth, will that encourage some growth from the, at the bottom of the plant? Probably not, because the base okay. of the plant is probably quite woody, is it not? There's bark. It is, yeah. yes. Yeah, so that goes back to the Caribbean, right? <laughs> so okay. That, in the Caribbean, they trim and trim and trim, and of course, they're, they're very bushy. What yeah. I would do, if you're taking the crones out in the summer, which are a wonderful idea, they probably love it. They do. Include them in a mixed planter. Use them as a centerpiece in a planter and get yourself some bright yellow, whatever, or red or orange, zinnias, marigolds, calibracoa, calibracoa, and and plant that around the base of the croton for the the outside, and then, you know, bring them in in the fall. Okay, then. Fill those, cover those ugly, those naked ankles, as we say. Not so ugly, but naked. (laughs) Okay, it sounds good. Thanks for your advice. Have a good one. Thanks for calling. Don't be a stranger. Coffee's always on. Even hot chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm saying that for Sean because he's a hot chocolate guy. Uh, all right, we have another caller, but I do want to just, can you give us any quick and dirty, phenomenal update, anything you learned last weekend when you were at the Southern Ontario Orchid Show? Oh, the Orchid Society, I mean, as always, uh, put on a wonderful Valentine's Day show. Of course, it's always one of the co- coldest mm. weekends. It, it never fails. It's not as cold as today is, right. but it's always the case. I know, people um, trying to buy and, and get out to their cars. And, oh, my God. Didn't really learn anything. No. I well, I, I learned not to spend as much money as I normally there you do. Go. So you limit the amount of cash Kept you take your with you in exactly, the car or whatever. Right? Yeah. You go with a fixed amount, <laughs> and of of course, it's like going to the casino actually. 
Yeah, I, it could be worse if you're, you know, if you're addicted to plants like we are. So, um, no, it just, it was f- phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, if there was a color trend, it was probably towards green and oh. white. A lot of the exhibits, that's what they were focused on. And, and was it as fragrant as it's always been? Yes. Uh, there was one individual that actually was allergic to fragrances. Oh, gosh. And, uh, you know, everyone's pointing out the most fragrant flowers to her. And she's yeah. like, you know, actually, I I Leave don't <laughs> want the most fragrant. I need the least, least fragrant right. plant to take to take home. Oh, right, to purchase. Yeah, because, I mean, there's usually the area in the main hall where it's all set up. Right, where it's all exhibits. Yes, yeah. And, um, and of course, with, with uh, the orchids that I purchased, mine is more heavily scented in the morning. Oh, and, and that's common. That's quite common with, uh, with plants. You know, Any flowers, yeah. Yeah, Lady of the Night, Brassavola nodosa. That particular type of orchid is only fragrant sundown and, mm. and until sunrise. And because it relies on who? Bats or oh, probably yeah. or, or, or a moth, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, I'm, a moth, good yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. And of course, Charles Darwin, mm. uh, he looked at Agrigum sesquipedale, a particular orchid, mm-hmm. and he said this thing, looking at the spur on the, on the flower, said, must be pollinated by a nocturnal flying insect of certain dimensions with a proboscis this long. <laughs> and it wasn't only after until he died that it was actually discovered that, yes, indeed, Very this moth specific. pollinated it. So, yeah. I mean, what a, what a genius of a biologist he was, right? So, The father of evolution. Yes. There you go. So, okay, so that's good. Well, I'm glad you were there because you were volunteering, setting up and helping with the show, I right? was just basically guiding people upstairs, downstairs. It was sort of a quasi-security <laughs> oh thing. It was busy. Wow. It was busy. Big guy like you, oh, scare yeah, yeah, those right, little old ladies right. with their orchids. <laughs> Nobody's trying to steal anything. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of bumping sometimes with uh, you know with the plants. crowded. It's a very popular show. It is. I wonder if they it broke is. any records or anything like that. Well, that's great. Terry was here a couple of weeks ago. Terry Kennedy, yes. and yeah. she's she's a wild and wacky orchid person. Her and her husband, the two of them. All right. So listen, we have Judy on the line. She's calling from Stratford. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. What's going on in Stratford? Nothing much. <laughs> I have a begonia, and I got it last May, and it's green with ready burgundy in the leaves. I want to get start some off of it. How do I do that? Oh, my. You want to try and explain that? <laughs> do we know if it's a, a, a tuberous or it a, like a rex? I don't a rex know. Begonia. It's okay. burgundy in the center, green on the edges. It's probably got kind of a wavy margin to the leaves, a little bit of silver yeah. maybe even in the leaves. Love that plant. You know what? It's really okay. I'm going to explain this, and you try and follow me, and you can even try doing this. It is not easy to do, though. Oh, okay. What were you going to say, Sean? No, I'm going to let I'm going to let you take this one because I, I had a I had a I had say past yeah, tense yeah, uh, a, a begonia. Yeah, they're not easy to propagate. So okay. here's what you do. So you get a, a nice clean pot with some nice clean fresh soilless potting mix in it, well moistened. Mm-hmm. You remove a healthy leaf from your plant. Mm-hmm. You lay that leaf. I know, this is where it starts sounding a bit wacky. Lay that leaf um, on the soil, top side up, bottom side down. Okay. You get a very, sh- well, then you get some little, you make yourself some little like bobby pins and you pin that leaf so that the leaves, is, or you get little pebbles and you make sure that that leaf is in full contact with the soil below, that moist soil below. Okay. Okay, so the pod is of a size that the leaf can sit very nicely flat on the soil. Then you get yourself a little razor blade, and then you make little nicks through the veins of that leaf, 
And again, you make sure that where those nicks are and where those veins are, very good contact with the leaf and the soil below. Okay. Then you make like a little plastic tent over the whole thing with some saran wrap and, and maybe a bit of wire or toothpicks, whatever. Don't put it in a bright, sunny window because it'll become an oven, but do have it in a bright spot in your home. It could be a window. It could even be an eastern window, but someplace nice and bright. And then you wait. Okay. And Absolutely magically, in about two to three to four weeks, little tiny leaves, just little tiny identical leaves, will start to grow from those little cuts in the veins where you made those little cuts, and new little plants will start to grow. So then do I plant it in the ground, or do I then just leave you, it like that? You wait. No, you wait. It'll take you, you leave it another five, six weeks, and before you know it, those little plants become of a, of a manageable size. Okay. So they, they might be the size of a, of a teaspoon or, or slightly smaller. Then you get your razor blade back out, and you sever those little plants from that. By that time, that mother leaf is pretty shriveled up, and mm-hmm. all these little babies are growing in the pot, and you lift them all out one at a time and give them all their own pots, and before you know it, you started a begonia nursery. Oh, okay. The lady, I got it at a plant exchange, and the lady mm. had, like, there was a whole couple of big trays of them, so she must have had good luck. Exactly. Should, I'm sure that's what she did, because I'm trying to rack my brains. How else do we propagate Rex begonias? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of doing a little okay. pinching, but I think that's, that, that produces more plants in your method, so I'd be the way but I'd it, go. But it's a single-stem plant. Like, what are you going to pinch? Oh, wait a minute, let me think. Any sort side of... Side shoots. Side shoots. Yeah, I'm thinking if you take that then yeah. you'll have some, you know, you'll remove the apical dominance. But right. no, go go with I know. the it, Charlie it does, method. It does work, but it is, it, it's a little bit, and again, Google will show you a, a video of something like that, and you, or you'll be able to see some photographs of how it's done. It, it It's an amazing way. It's a form of cloning. So you're going to make little babies that are identical to the mother. And of okay. course, they are lovely plants. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for your call. That was a good one. I, I loved- was going to say, oh, I just was going to say that lady with the diplodania, I yep. wonder what color it is. It's not doing anything because my pink ones and white ones mm-hmm. are all leaping out, but my yellow one is just some dead sticks, it looks like. So I wonder oh. if he happens to have a yellow one that's, because they seem to be hard to keep over. I was going to say, good, very good point. Yellow is often the hardest of because they're the most highly bred, whether yeah. it's roses or diplodenias, yeah. the hardest ones to keep alive. And the hardest to come by, yeah. probably so for that pretty. reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're hard to, to culture, to yeah. grow up. So yeah. you're right. She, that's a good point. So, Valerie, if you're listening, you want to give us a call back, let us know what colors. Because she said she lost the one, but she still right. has the one. Thanks. Excellent. Okay. Thanks, Good Judy. point. Thanks, Thanks for, for calling. Your, thank you for your help. Our pleasure. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. So um, next weekend, okay, so a couple of announcements that we haven't gotten to. So let's do the one, there's one tomorrow you mentioned at Toronto Botanical Gardens. Correct. And it's hosted by the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society. And the talk is by Kevin Cavanaugh of South Coast Gardens. This this gentleman's a genius. Mm. Um, and he's going to be discussing the evolving garden, selection of native plants for long-term success. It commences at 1.30 p.m. I do not know what is involved with admission uh, but if you have the opportunity definitely yeah generally there's definitely. no admission to something like that Fantastic. it's bring your own uh, coffee cup usually and 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 join the society that's yeah, what i would recommend if absolutely you, if you get speakers like that in and, oh. and you get to listen to a gentleman like kevin cavanaugh and he looks at native plants not just from well is it native to the province no you look at the eco zone or the eco region you know there's no geopolitical boundaries when it comes to plants, plants that's right and then of course on the 22nd the fall next saturday next saturday we again at tbg yes we have a, a get a jump on spring we're 
we're essentially at that countdown stage, T minus five seconds before we launch spring. So I'm just, I'm getting really excited and, and pumped up. Aren't we all? Yeah. It's also CD Saturday at Toronto TBG all day, 10 to 3, free admission, lots going on, stuff for sale, expertise, societies are there to tell you what they do. You'll be there on one of the tables. Oh, correct. Sorry. Yes. North American Native Plant Society. There Probably you go. So that. if you want to put a, a, a face to the voice, go be, put yourself at Toronto Botanical Gardens next Saturday because Sean Patil will be there at the Native American Native Plant Society table. But lots like free talks, demonstrations. There's books for sale. There's plants for sale. There's lots of um, advice from the master gardeners, etc., etc. Et Cafe, coffee bar, silent auction, like nonstop day. Very exciting. Get the jump on spring. All right. Quick break. We really aren't going anywhere. And we'll be right back. And do give us a call. We've got a couple people waiting, but we'd love to hear from you. 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. We'll be right back. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. That's Charlie Dobbin and Sean Patil today. So happy you're here. Thank you. I feel good being a sous chef. <laughs> there you go. You're being a very good sous chef. Thank you. We're sous chefing for each other because it's great. Your expertise is wonderful. We have on the line Ingrid giving us a call from Midland. Good morning, Ingrid. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. What's going I on? I have a tea plant which was given to me last all a friend of mine had it and she kept it outside but didn't like to take any plants in in the winter time <sighs> and um it was beautiful pink colors on the leaves but now the leaves the they've turned a very pale pink and the ends are all brown and i'm afraid it's dying and it's such a pretty plant i don't know what i could do with it so just to clarify the leaves have pink on the leaves or pink flowers no pink leaves they're green and pink. Like the tops are a very, very bright pink. Okay. Oh, I wonder where the name tea is coming from. Yes, because tea, the tea plant itself, the true tea, is as a camellia sinensis. Which um, is green. Green leaves. True. And, and, and very, very nice green. Glossy. Vibrant, yeah, glossy. Yeah. So we're a little thrown off, by again, by the, by the common name. What you um, could have there. Yeah. What's, oh. what, is going, what is going on? Well, she said they're turning brown. Okay, give me yes, an idea. The are, the, of the leaves. are the leaves elongated or are they oval or how? What is she? No, they're elongated. It's about two feet high in the pot. I have it in a nine-inch pot, and it's about two feet tall. And she said to me, or I read that it was a native of Hawaii. Yeah, oh. I just I know what it is. Cordyline. <laughs> the proper name is Cordyline. C O R D Y. L I N E, and the T is actually Thai. <laughs> it's me? the common name for the plant that you have is yes. not T, but it's Thai. T I. Yes, T I. Oh, T I. So that's a Thai plant. All right, now we know what ta- plant we're talking oh, about. Okay, excellent. Right, so the <laughs> tips are turning brown. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Is it okay? I'm not. I'd have to think about this. Have you grown this? Plant? I'm. I'm thinking already. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I thought about this last night. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, oddly enough, yeah. You know, what what else odd. do I do as I'm as I'm drifting off to sleep? Uh, what type of water is it receiving? I, I'm, I'm wondering if it is receiving tap water that's chlorinated. It is, but I let the tap water sit out. 
usually for about a day before I put it on the plant. Okay, excellent. And are you fertilizing at this point? No, I'm not. I just got it in the fall, so I really don't know what to do with it. Hmm. So I am a bit stumped because normally when you see sort of uh, a necrosis or a, a browning or blackening of tissues... At yes. the tips of the leaves, it's normally an indication salt. of salt or nutrients accumulating, oh. right. or fluoride in the water, exactly. etc. So any minerals. Like that, a, yes, that's why I let it sit usually yeah. overnight before I uh, put it on the plant. Right. So that I mean, the longer you let it sit, the better. You're uh-huh. calling from Midland. Oh, okay, so you're from Midland, and are, you, are you're not on well water, are you? On city water? No, I'm not. Okay. I'm on city water. City right. water, okay. So city water is going to have those traditional chlorines and fluorides right, right. and bromides yeah. and stuff. Hmm. All right, so uh, light. How much light is the plant in? Uh, it's in a southwest window. Oh, that should be good. light in the afternoon. Huh. That should be good. Okay, what about watering? How big Is it in a big pot? It's in a nine-inch pot, okay. and it's about 24 inches tall. And how often are you watering that plant? Well, <laughs> I cut back watering. It's pretty dry now because I wanted to Good. see if I could speak to you. And you could maybe let me know. Maybe I'm watering it too much or not enough. Well, you know, it's one of the things that happens, and it happens with all of us, is we get kind of on a, in a routine when we water our plants. And yes. for sure, in the spring, the summer, the fall, there's a lot of extensive watering to do. But come the dark days of winter, we really right. need to cut back on our watering, and often we don't. We're like, we're just so routinized, we keep watering. Mm-hmm. I would suggest you go to your local garden center, home store, and pick up something called a moisture meter. Oh, yes, a moisture meter, yes. Yeah, it's like a little probe. It's about uh-huh. 14 inches stick long. It in the soil. Yeah, and stick it in the soil. Yes. And that way, you so, you can feel the surface is dry, but what's going on down below is what might be going on. Is that it might have be showing a little bit of suffering from too much water this past winter. So okay. you want to water thoroughly when you water, so a good you know, saturation, if you will, of the plant, but then you want to yes. let it dry fairly to almost desert conditions in between. So okay, that it's moisture quite meter, dry now, yeah. Actually. Well, it feels dry on the surface, but for all we know, down six inches, there's all kinds of moisture. Like we don't. Yes, know. I haven't gone down that far. I put my finger in mm-hmm. maybe an inch or so, and it is. It's it's not wet, but it is still a little moist. Right. So if you're feeling moisture an inch down, do not rush to water it. Rush to get a moisture okay. meter, because you do. Okay. Yeah, that way it's just so easy to do with the bigger pots. I, sometimes I'll use the weight as a, as an indication. I have this huge right. clivia plant that I mm-hmm. I only water when it really needs it because I'm not a very good mother to my plants, and <laughs> yeah. and I just do it by weight. Like if I can rock that pot, then I should be watering it. If yes. it's heavy yes. with moisture, I, I leave it alone. So, okay, uh, and should I be fertilizing this at all in the in the winter months? Not in the winter, no. Nothing in the winter no. as we, again, the days are getting longer, spring is in yeah. the air. So as we start to see some new growth, a new flush of growth on all of our indoor plants, and of course eventually uh-huh. outside as well, then we will start to fertilize. But when yours okay. is showing a little bit of stress, fertilizer will not solve that stress. Getting no. uh, a more appropriate watering um, is probably what's going on. So get that sorted Better out first. Better water regimen. Okay. Okay, and then, yes, for sure. You w- Do start fertilizing. Yeah, in your case, if you can, early, mid-March, monthly uh-huh. at the most. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you very much Thanks for your help. for your call. Thank you. you too. That was good detective work, hey? Tea well, you, plant, were, you were good on the... Tea on plant, that. tie plant. Yeah. Well, so she said pink. Tapping. I could see it. I just couldn't... Okay. I was like, I, I, what is it? What is it? Okay. Oh, we have to do our last and final break then. Okay. And again, we're not going anywhere. We've got some great callers coming up. So back in a flash. 
Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Exclusively here from Liberty Village, uh, the Zoomerplex. Sean Patil is with me. Thanks again for coming in. Anytime, this has been great. Anytime, Charlie. So much Love fun. It. I mean, look, look, I, the expertise in the room. I need the intellectual stimulation. <laughs> at, at, at my stage in life, that's the only stimulation I get. But so. you you do in season work for the city of Toronto as a gardener now. I do, yes. So that recently. keeps you very, very busy, except not now, not in the winter, obviously. Cor- correct. So that's correct. why we should have you here every Saturday in the winter, I think. Uh, if, if Frank wants to go to <laughs> Florida <laughs> for or the winter. anywhere, absolutely. That, that's a deal. Right. Starting in oh, mid-November. I'll let him know. If you can afford it. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. We've got, uh, where am I? Grapefruit trees. Elaine in Bob Cajun. Good morning. Good morning. It's a beautiful sunny morning. Oh, lucky you. I hope it is where you are. It's a little cloudy here. Seems, oh, I'm sorry (laughs) to hear that. The sun is around the corner, believe me. Excellent. I uh, heard that there's quite a few tropical questions uh, today, and my grapefruit tree Mm -hmm. is going to be added to that. I have a grapefruit tree and I've had it for a number of years, but also I've been kind of having a battle constantly for the last number of years with mealybugs. And so I did call once and it was about using the sprays, Mm -hmm. the insecticidal soaps, but that didn't work well. Now I went on um, on the computer, and they were talking about dabbing alcohol. Yeah, on. rubbing alcohol. Yep. Okay, so I did better than that. I filled a spray bottle with alcohol, and every so often, I give it a spray, mm-hmm. and that seems to be working very well. Oh. But I don't know how long the the tree can last with every so often being sprayed with alcohol. Is that going to be a problem? Oh, yeah. That'll kill it eventually. <laughs> you no, mix- I don't spray. It doesn't droop after I finish. <laughs> no, no. Did it, does it turn? I'm sorry. Did you add any water to the rubbing alcohol? No, it's, it's just the isopropyl, and it's a mister. So, and I just spray where I see yeah, the really uh, little white dots. Huh. But it seems to be doing a really good job, and I don't want to lose the grapefruit tree. It's over 40 years old. Oh, my goodness. Sean, it, jump in here well, now. I'm just going to say, <laughs> if if there is no visible mealybug, then maybe we can we can withdraw that. No, every so often you see a little bit of, of white, and mm-hmm. so I'm determined. I've only been doing that for the last month and maybe once a week. Okay, and also check the pot. I've seen mealybugs sort of uh, exist on the underside of that rolled rim on plastic oh, pots good point. and yeah. on oh, the exterior. Okay. Yeah, 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 so maybe do a wipe down of uh, that as well with the straight um, alcohol. With the straight on a alcohol, rag. maybe maybe cut it down to. Is it flowering right now? Your tree? No, I've flowered? only ever had one grapefruit off it. It was delicious, I bet. but I haven't. Um, I had that about 15 years ago, so I keep hoping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I meant I meant dilute, not not cut cut down the the alcohol. Dilute oh, as oh, <laughs> not, not cut down the plant. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for the spraying the purposes. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's okay. right. So if you see that little waxy bit of whiteness, 
I mean, that's why we do it with the Q-tip is because you can be so specific and you can use straight alcohol directly on the insect. Okay. But if it's a big 40-year-old tree, that's a lot of tree to look at and to, to inspect. Sure. And you'll see mealybugs even on the brown bark. Like, they, they have they're no shame at all. They'll, they'll hunker down anywhere. Oh, they're they, awful. Yeah, they are. And of. they're hard to get rid of because they protect themselves with that waxy coating. So, well, if it's working for you, uh, fine. But I'd be hesitant to use rubbing alcohol too consistently. Okay. Uh, particularly on the whole plant. So try and be very targeted with your with your alcohol. All right. And Thank not you so much. Use yes. the stream rather than yeah. the spray. And not to the point of runoff. Yes. So, I mean, you just got to get to that point where it's in contact with the leaf surfaces, top and bottom, and not dripping onto the soil surface. Yeah. Okay. And, be like and, and I will do that with around the rim and yeah. underneath. Yeah, good oh, idea. That's a good, good suggestion. We'll get rid of them yet. <laughs> All right. Let us know how <laughs> that goes. Fingers crossed. That's Thanks amazing. So much. Over 40 years. Have a great weekend. Good for you, you Elaine. Thank you. Bye now. Thanks Bye-bye. for calling. All right. Maybe we have time to fit in one okay. more call. We've got Siva on the line. Siva's an old friend from the Scarborough area. Good morning, Siva. Good morning. How are you guys? Excellent. Thanks. How's okay. Thanks. things I, with you? I, I have an apple tree in my neighborhood. I'd like to take care of it. And what I want to know is... Is a combination of neem oil, soap, and water. Will that do to take the insects away? Oh, uh, so this is in your neighborhood. You said is this like on a boulevard somewhere? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, and you want to harvest apples eventually, is what you're uh, hoping? Yes. Yes. It has beautiful fruit, but they're always filled with insects. Okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I heard the gentleman talk about pyrethra, but I don't know if that was a natural yeah. thing. Yeah, pyrethra is bug be gone. Like if, uh-huh. you, if you go to your local garden center and you look for the insect sprays, number one, you won't find neem oil for sale as an insecticide. It's actually illegal. Like I can't recommend it as an insecticide because it's not registered. Okay. Though many people have had good success with it. Okay. Um, and you can't even buy it, I don't think, in Ontario any longer. Really? Oh, maybe you can. Uh, East Indian uh, cosmetic sections. Good point. East Indian cosmetic. Get down to Gerard and Broadview. You can get it as a cosmetic. sold as a leaf shine uh, and does work as an insecticide. So that's a thought. Okay. The best thing I can recommend, uh, Siva, is... um, Oh, I'm just trying to think of the easiest thing for you. Because you know what it is? In the spring is when it's so important that we prevent problems with our fruit trees by spraying appropriately. I'd say the best and most important one is get that dormant spray yes. going. Have you, you've heard of dormant spray? Yes. All right. Get it. If you don't already own it, buy it. Dormant kit. It's the oil and the lime sulfur. So horticultural oil, lime sulfur mixed together with water. Follow the instructions to the T. You need the right temperature, the right wind speed, the no precipitation, all that stuff. Make sure that's all in, in place and spray the crap out of that tree. Okay. Then, and you may do it again probably 10 days or two weeks later after that. Uh, okay. That's your best, best way to prevent problems for, with fruit trees. Okay, man. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for calling. Thank you, Siva. Siva's the best. And I, don't you love my horticultural terminology? Hey, we got mere seconds left, my friend. Okay. Thank you. Thank oh, you again anytime, for coming. Anytime. Really, really appreciate it. I'll buy you breakfast. Sounds good. Thank All you. right. See, we'll be back next week. Frank will be here. Thanks again to Sean and Carlos. Couldn't have done any of this without your help. Thanks, and all guys. our great callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.